This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. And it's a big one. Uh, I feel like I've been saying that a lot the last couple weeks because we've had a lot of big games, but this is a big one. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. The main focus will obviously be uh, the U.S. Open Cup match on Wednesday, uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe today by the time you're listening. Um, the Wednesday matchup between Miami FC and Atlanta United of Major League Soccer. Um, but we do have a lot to discuss, and so let's go around uh, the proverbial table here and introduce everyone who's on with us. Uh, Drew Hausman, how you doing, pal? Should I record now? Uh, now. Okay. So, um, that's Drew. Omar, uh, how you doing, buddy? Omar Mubayed. Oh, cock open the pint of Guinness. That's a preemptive victory beer. That's the way I like to think about it. It's a, a sign of success for Wednesday. And it's not a multiple of seven, I don't think, but I think we missed the last one, and there is no good reason uh, to uh, to not just open up everything we got and bring in everyone's favorite Welshman, Lee Ephens, as I learned uh, due to his star turn in front of the Miami-Dade uh, County Commission. Lee, how you doing? Uh, yes, it's going to be a big show. I'm delighted to be back here, the fourth horseman of the suck apocalypse. <laughs> the quad pod. We are riding in. Pod. <laughs> yeah, it's a quad pod, four box, let's go. Um, so, uh, let's start with uh, breaking news, uh, breaking news that you could have read about on MagicCity.Soccer, which is our new website, our new home for information, MagicCity.Soccer. Um, there is a new uh, a new guest in uh, the NASL, and it's uh, San Diego. San Diego NASL uh, is now... Matt, 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 I think it's actually San Diego. Yes. Uh, and, which, of so, course, means a whale's vagina. Yes, of course. Um, thank you. Again, that's why you bring on Lee Ifans for the, 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 you know, the real, the background, the history. Um, but yeah, so San Diego's in the NSL. What do we think about it, gentlemen? Yay! All right, moving yeah, yeah. on. <laughs> wow. Wake up. Wake up. Uh, no, I'm really happy that this team is joining the league. And uh, when you look at some of the people involved with it, um, uh, Eden Azad, um, Demba Bar, Musa Sal, I mean, these are all kind of like you know, big players. Um, so I think it's, it sort of depends on what sort of money they've got back in them. But uh, <clears throat> I've got a feeling that they, they, could, they could rival us a little bit. I mean, if, if they've got that star pull, you know, to bring in some players over Europe, if they're going to put some money in, then you're talking about a franchise over uh, on that side of the, the, the country uh, that, that might be a rival to us, both on and off the field. Um, you know, it could set up a nice triangle, us, uh, New York and San Diego, and I think that's going to be really good for the league. It's going to be interesting to see how it uh, unfolds. No mention of Johan Kabay either, which was kind of funny there. Uh, left Johan Kabay out there. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's absolutely fantastic that 
you know, this is possibly going to be the tenth team coming to the league next season. After obviously we already announced Orange County. I'm sorry, the NASL announced Orange County uh, earlier in the year. I have a feeling there's at least one more team coming down the pipeline. I think the rumor mill has to be Atlanta. Um, I think NASL is pushing for a 12th team to be announced and start play of next season. Where that's going to be, I have no idea. But Bob Williams of the Telegram has already stated on multiple events that there are multiple investors, um, you know, actively trying to pursue an NASL franchise. Is it the Detroit City? Probably not. Uh, hopefully it's a team in the central time zone, though, so this way we can try to have, um, you know, enough of parity in the sense that we have enough geographical locations covered to minimize, you know, expansive travel for a lot of teams, for example, like Edmonton and Puerto Rico. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, we gave San Francisco some some friends over there on the West Coast so they're not sitting there alone with no no local competition. Um, I'm, I'm skeptical of the ownership, you know. I don't know how much involvement they'll have. It always helps to have the star power, but I think that kind of fades away quickly. Um, for instance, like Maldini's one of our owners, but... You know they they never really parade him around, parade him around, or he's never out at the games. So um, prior to the season, our first season, they hyped him up, and then he just kind of disappeared. So I'm not really like it's good to have ownership with money and all that, but I'm not sold on the the star power of it. But I mean, I, I don't care where they put more teams; just keep packing them into the NASL because we need to get above eight, ten, twelve soon. Yeah, I definitely think that, I think for years we heard from the league that, uh, you know, expansion was coming, expansion was coming, you know, it's 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 on its way, and uh, it had, had, I would say, maybe limited success. Um, now you're seeing, uh, uh, you know, there is actual expansion. We see a, a move towards the West Coast, which uh, had started under, you know, the previous regime, the Deltas had been in the works, but... You're looking at Orange County, which is, I think, ripe for growth. You're looking at San Diego, which we've talked about on this show before. It's it's and and I, I mentioned in my write up about the expansion that it's one of the kind of uh, hidden soccer hotbeds that the United States has. You know, we've talked about San Diego, St. Louis, and Baltimore as kind of being these cities that have history of supporting soccer literally in the darkest of times in the post NASL collapse of the early '80s. Uh, the first NASL, that basically indoor soccer was kind of what kept the sport alive in the United States. And those are the places where it was it was as big as outdoor soccer was, really. And so I think San Diego is an excellent place to expand to. Um, like you say, when you have that kind of celebrity star power ownership, it can go one of two directions. It could be excellent, and it can offer you really inroads to new places where a team in the second division of United States soccer normally wouldn't be able to reach, or it could be absentee ownership. Um, And so we're obviously way, way, way far away from telling what uh, they'll have there in San Diego, but I I think it's good. I think the West Coast needs three or four teams, uh, you know, and the NASL literally has to be above 12, and we we do have to be... um, cognizant of the fact that this is the NASL and occasionally, you know, for every two steps forward you take, there's one step back and we have to be aware that that one step back might come at some point and, and we need to be ready for it. Um, and so I think this is a great way to expand into whole new er literally whole new areas of the country. I think it's, it's overall a, uh, a very good development for the health of the league. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that, that is attached to these California teams, 
is going to be the name power and star power. You know, you've already been told on a couple occasions that Eric Ronaldo will be the head coach of the Orange County uh, NASL team. I think the biggest question here is who's going to coach the San Diego NASL team. And I think one of the leading frontrunners for this job might actually be Landon Donovan. Why? It's Division Two. He can get his feet wet. You put him. You surround him much like Nesta with capable assistance, and you let the development grow. Um, I don't think Landon Donovan's going to get a job right away in the sense of, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's not going to get a job right away in the sense of MLS play, or he's not going to get a European job. Like, he's got to grow somewhere. And I think the NASL is a perfect place because you're going to be able to assign players that are talented, especially without there being a salary cap, and it's not going to be a team of reserves and you're working with limited talent. So, if uh, San Diego's willing to spend money and just think about that coaching rivalry right there. That alone will get people in the gate, uh, you know, between Donovan and Wilnalda. And on top of that, if you can sign one or two me- players of Mexican descent uh, onto either of those squads, we've already seen what happens every time Mexico plays in California. It's usually a 65% positive, you know, Mexican crowd. So if you can sign one or two players of Mexican descent, you'll keep the turnout coming up. Um, so it'll be pretty enticing to see whether Omar Bravo, you know, comes back to the NESL, um, and if we can steal a couple guys, a couple of the aging superstars like Oribe Peralta, um, you know, from their current Liga MX clubs and bring them to the United States to play for those sites. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a lot to kind of uh, look at, you know, here in Miami, we know the, the, the growing pains of a club that's that's getting off the ground, and you and you look around the rest of this league that looks more established, and you're like, oh, well, how's it going to work? What, what's going to happen? Um, there are a lot more steps in front of the folks out on the West Coast, um, but they have really nice weather, so <laughs> whatever uh, fits and starts they'll have to deal with. It, you know, they'll they'll be fine. They'll, you know, seventy five, no humidity, it's okay. Um, so um, let's move on from there, and let's 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 talk about the game last Saturday. Uh, big game for Miami FC, big game for the direction of the 2017 NASL spring season. It's a comeback victory. Miami FC give up an early goal um, in the sixth minute um, at, you know, to the Cosmos, the, the bane of their existence, the only team that has beaten Miami FC this spring season, uh, the team that has kind of dominated this league for the last few years. And you think, oh no, the the sky is falling down, everything's going bad. It's a comeback victory. Two goals, uh, you know, a goal by Stefano Pino, who just can't stop scoring. A goal by Vincenzo Ranella, who again can't stop scoring and continues to lead the league. And then, in a gutsy effort, the the team fights for basically thirty thirty five minutes. Down a man holds on to the three points and. And as I was rather uh, aggressively pointing out uh, Saturday night, I, in my opinion, I think they they won the spring league Saturday night effectively. Um, it it eliminated the Cosmos from potentially winning the league. It's now only Jacksonville or San Francisco, and basically, it's if they win out and we lose out. It's a it's a very interesting place. I've talked a lot setting this up. Um, let's throw to Omar. Omar, what'd you think about that game Saturday night? Game was interesting because. Giving up an early goal to Ledesma and the Cosmos, like inside the six minute mark, you're leading yourself to some problems. This was, this could have been that letdown game that we've all been speculating is going to come anytime now. Um, you know, Miami on the 12 game unbeaten run going into this game at some point. You know, listen, all these runs don't last forever. And, and if you think they do, I have some really bad mortgages to sell you. Um, 
on top of the fact, you know, you saw right away that the team kind of came out from the whistle uh, very lackadaisical. Not because they weren't trying or because of effort, but a lot of the times when you start winning these games 3-1, 4-0, you know, with these, you know, one-sided scores, you start to have that, you know, feeling not of, I don't want to say, you know, of needing, but almost of entitlement. Like, we know this game is going to come to us. We're going to get it going. No big deal. What happens? The Cosmos don't let Miami get into an early rhythm, score the early goal, and right away you saw Miami answer back and Stefano Pino hit the crossbar, man. He just smacked one right off the post on an empty net with a defender. He, the goalie's completely out of the play and defender covering the entire bottom side of the near post. So right away you knew that Miami was ready to go. The second you saw that clang off the crossbar, you knew that we were going to have a match to be had and, you know, Miami was awake and ready to go. Um, you guys had a better angle than I did uh, for that 20th minute goal by Pino. So what did you guys see over there from the end? Well, for me, I I thought well, I thought it was going to go down as a known goal um, because it, it it looked like it wasn't it wasn't going in um, until it hit the defender. Um, but then, what's the quote that Gretzky uses? You miss a hundred percent shots you don't take. Um, I th- I, <laughs> I think um, I'm sort of glad that I'm here today because from a tactical perspective, I think if you look at how New York played against us and how the Armada played against us. New York really cracked the best way to play against Nesta's system because I'm sure like everyone here would notice um, that the New York keeper, uh, Maurer, he was like almost on the halfway line when New York were in possession. They were pushing that back line, the back four and the goalkeeper up so much to compress us and our play into, into our half of the pitch so much. And the opposite happened when Jacksonville came to town they came to town to try to play football against us which doesn't work because we've got better players than them and we beat them forward well we beat, we thrashed them we thrashed them is the best way to put it um, but New yeah. York came with a very very good game plan they they pressed the ball a lot and like I said they compressed that play now that means that our our system of passing the ball around we couldn't really get that game going and they were onto people like Richie Ryan and um and Dylan Maras, you know, the, the, the outlets, they were onto them like a flash. They were going in on Ranella very, very hard. You know, they were committed to the tackling. And, you know, I, it wasn't the first goal game, and I thought, well, maybe this is the game, like Omar says, where, you know, we come away with a 1-1 uh, or worse, we lose it. But I think, uh, I think we adapted quite well. We stood up to them physically, and, um, and, we, and, we, and we kept trying to do what we tried to do, which is to play football, and, um, and, and we came away with a win. Thankfully, so um, but it was really interesting for me to watch watch the game tactically because I think uh, Gio Savarese and and his, and his team they they got the tactics spot on for playing against us. We were lucky to win, but I'm glad we did. Yeah, yeah Drew, what'd you take away? Sorry, guys, I was uh, dying for a second. No, yeah, it was <laughs> it's kind of crazy because uh, we haven't had a goal scored against us in like almost a month. And for them to go up so quickly, it was interesting seeing the team react. It looked like a couple minutes after the play, like a few of the players were moping around, but it picked up. But as Lee was saying, like New York, in addition to their pressing, was also playing very aggressive. Like I believe New York Cosmos had three or four red, or three, three or four yellow cards going into the first half. Uh, there was a lot of aggressive uh, tackling and fouls going on. So um, you know they they definitely came to play. Um, Bless the uh, bless the Pino goal. Um, I think in the second half, you know, uh, 
we were lucky to get the Ranella goal so quickly prior to the to the Poku send off. Um, it's just kind of unfortunate because there's no replayer angle of the Poku to see if it actually was a red card. But um, from what I saw, it didn't look like it was a straight red. So based based off the first half of the game, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that you got a straight red on that. But um, I mean, this is kind of what I originally expected Nesta's team out of being being down a man for that long and being able to defend it. Uh, I think they just did a great job uh, closing the Cosmos out for that final 25, 30 minutes of the game. Rewinding very quickly back to the first half, Lee, you mentioned that their goalie was playing way outside the box and they were trying to compress Miami in, you know, inside that their own zone, um, not allowing Miami to play out of the back like they comfortably want to do, like they did against Orlando, like they did against Jacksonville. Atlanta, just to kind of preview and, and, and preface the game very quickly before we really get into the heart of it, um, Atlanta is a team with shoddy defensive play. You are probably the most tenured soccer person on this podcast. So is that a tactic that a team with shaky defensemen at the back that they can employ? Or is that something that's easily hit on the counterattack with a long goal? Well, it all comes down to discipline, in my opinion, Omar. Um, I think that that was the thing about New York, is is that they they had a game plan instilled in them, and they stuck to it. And that's why they almost came away with the result. Now, let me tell you, if Atlanta come down here playing the expansive game that they like to play, focusing on attack, they may be in for a shock because, you know, we do keep the ball very well. You look at the possession stats through the season, you look at how well we, how good we are at passing, you know, the accuracy of the passing. You know, I think they, Atlanta will have to respect us. And I think that they will have to defend as a team because if they don't defend as a team, then we could get another result like Jacksonville, if I'm honest. We could, we could beat them by two or three goals. But if they go, look, this, these guys are at home. These guys are on like a good run of form. We need to get in their faces and we need to keep them in their own half. Then it's going to be more difficult for us. I, If I was the manager of Atlanta, I would be studying that Cosmos game over and over again and trying to improve on that game plan. But if they don't bother doing that and they just come up thinking, ah, this is an NASL mob, we'll beat them easily then they're going to be in for a shot. Speaking of the statistics that Lee just brought up, uh, Miami FC, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, passing rates above the 90% clip, the 88% clip. Uh, granted, Miami FC was down a man for roughly 30 minutes at the end of that game, 35 minutes including the extra time. Miami FC, probably their worst showing on passing of the season, 74% uh, passing accuracy. And on top of that, Probably also a season worst, thirty-four percent in possession. But again, that's tends. That is what tends to happen when you cannot control the ball and you are a man down. Yeah, I think. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, yeah, just want to agree, want ahead, to agree with Emma real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah go ahead. I admit I'm. I'm not a huge person for stats, but I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, that the, the stats sort of bear out what I'm saying. Is that you know New York came with with this game plan that worked very well against us. And I'm sort of scared that other teams will now be figuring that out because Nesta can sometimes be a little bit one-dimensional in his approach. I think if teams start doing that a lot, it might take him a little while to adapt. But I don't know with Atlanta how seriously they're going to take us. It's going to be interesting. And Matt, with the now with the absence going forward of Robert Baggio-Casira, how do you feel that Blake Smith... 
kind of subbed in here. And and again, we pegged Blake Smith to be the starter at you know in the preseason. We all talked about what our starting four in the backfield would be, and and it was Blake Smith, Trafford, Bernstein, and Freeman. So, what do you see from Blake Smith, and how do you see his approach? Not only different from Casero, but as well as you know his now usurping the left back starting role given Casero's injury. I think that if there there was one spot in that back line where it's like you could best you you hate to say you could best afford injury, but Smith and and Casera had both been, in my opinion, pretty damn solid at the back. They had both really done their jobs whenever they've gotten the opportunity. I think uh, Baggio Casera is maybe a little bit more kind of explosive, like he'd, he'd kind of could come on the spot for for a bigger play or you know. Uh, maybe get up a little bit better in attack potentially um but but smith was always pretty solid too so i i don't think i think the only thing you really you lose by making that switch is you now lack the ability to rotate without really losing anything and it that we're potentially at a point in the season where that may not be the biggest issue we need to worry about um so i i don't think knock on wood um, I, I don't think it will harm Miami FC going forward that badly until you really get into the, the teeth of the, the fall season and you're heading in towards the playoffs, which is obviously where we hope we're talking about this team going. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's it's obviously bad news, and, and, and Robert Baggio Casera had really been a breakout uh, you know, when you look at the difference, what's the difference between this team this year and last year? When last year they were middle of the pack, you know, awful at the beginning of the season, pretty okay at the end of the season. What's so different now? Well, they maintain this core of players, plus they have, you know, a Dylan Morris or a Robert, Robert Baggio Casera coming in and making a difference. That's gone, but there's such that that core is now even stronger. I don't think it's something that we're going to look back and say, oh my God, our season's been derailed because of this one injury. No, I agree with you, um, Matt. I think the, the thing is, I get why everyone is so in love with uh, Robert Baggio Casima because he's a young, exciting player. But I mean, I, I made the point, I think actually to Omar before the game, is that him and Blake are very different players, even though they're both playing that left back role. You know, um, Baggio will cut inside and he's going to try and shoot and try and score a goal. Blake's a little bit different. Blake gets up and down, he does a little bit more defensively, and he likes to get outside, get to the goal line, put in crosses. We've seen some great goals from Blake Smith crosses. And, you know, the best one, of course, is the Jaime Chavez goal. That came from a Blake Smith cross. So I yes. agree with you, Matt, that if, if you're going to, like, it's terrible to say you're going to pick somewhere to have an injury. But then if you if you look at Mason Trafford, the one Mason Trafford going down, then I would be worried. You look at Rep Bernstein coming down, I'd be worried because those two have a great partnership. Hunter Freeman has been playing out of his skin. But then on the on the left side... I've got no problem with Blake coming in. It's terrible. And I hope that Baggio comes back next season and he's still as good as he is. But um, but I've got no problems putting Blake Smith out. I, you know, he played almost every game last season and he was really good. Very underrated. So Drew's been in the dark here for just a bit. Drew, uh, man of the match was Stefano Pino. Was not your beloved Vincenzo Ranella. But Richie Ryan got both assists in this match. And Richie Ryan arguably... Probably did majority of the of the work, especially in the midfield after Poku's red card. Uh, is that something you agree with? You think Richie Ryan should have been man of the match? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe so, but I, I, I don't put too much uh, 
too much faith into those men of the match things. There's been a bunch of ridiculous <laughs> ones this year. <laughs> I mean, they're not. I, I actually really so. want to find out like how they pick it or who gets to pick it because sometimes I have a feeling they're like, eh, let's just go with this guy. <laughs> but I mean, Ryan Ryan's been consistent all year. He's been great for us. So you know, there's there's no way we can knock that guy. But I mean, the the Pino goal was kind of the turnaround of the game. So. Um, yeah, I'm not investing too much in any of those men of the matchdom, uh, spin laundry or whatever the sponsor is now. <laughs> I think they're the Roughneck Scars men of the match. Um, I think. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think that checks out. Um, yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with Drew here. I think it's, it's, uh, symbolic of kind of where this team is now that pretty much every match we're having a conversation of well who do you think really deserved man of the match this guy won it but there are these two other players that you could really make a better argument like it seems like we come back to this point a lot <laughs> like it's it's not the first time we've done this it's just indicative of the quality of play that that I think as a team you're seeing that every match you're you're looking at you know different contributions by different players and and basically besides the Orlando City game where Pino scored a hat trick, you know, obviously he was going to win that. Pretty much every game you can look at a player and say, yeah, they won it, but there's this other player who's really qualified too, and it's a really it's a really tough place to be. And in reality, it's a really good place to be because it means you, you have quality across the field. I mean, I'll say this. Better this conversation than we have a lot of depth. We can't wait to use it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I would like to change it. My man of the match was the guy wearing the Hulk mask with the neon green electric battery-powered oh, guitar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was... He was uh, an inspiration he was all to all. Or Matt, I, know, I didn't know if you were going to go there. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, Matt left it all out on that day brigade stand. I There have been two games this year where I have gone, I feel, above and beyond the Call of Duty. It was the, the Tampa Bay game and and that game Saturday night because I because I thought they they were that important. That that beating Tampa, getting to play Orlando, that was this huge deal and now it, it's like, oh well we beat Orlando, so who cares? But at the time it was this huge thing and again, like I said, I, I'm not one for to, to brag. I'm normally very uh kind of gun shy, but I feel very confident about where we stand in the league now after knocking down the Cosmos. And I think that that game last night, coming back the way they did, surviving the way they did, a man down with a Cosmos team that was in it to win it, they were trying and trying and trying. To get those three points, it was absolutely enormous. And and I did not want to be the... Uh, I did not want to uh, go home thinking that I couldn't uh, do you everything did, I could to make it happen. You definitely did a lot to Before, make it happen, Matt. And uh, one other real quick point is um, <laughs> you mentioned that, that you know you think that we won it last, um, on Saturday night, and I kind of agree with you because we have to play the Deltas twice in the spring season. So technically, really, all we have to do is not lose both games to the Deltas. And we've done it, and I think that's pretty much a formality. I mean, I hate to sound like that kind of like you know entitled asshole super fan, but I don't think we're going to lose both <laughs> those games to, uh, to to the deltas. It's uh, it's all over by the shouting. See, least all my th- <laughs> yeah, I mean, least all my thunder there a little bit. Uh, quickly in the NASL in the round of the scores, Miami FC closing out the game two one over the Cosmos. The San Francisco Deltas do get a one nil win. In Edmonton and in the eleven, pick up another win over the Carolina Railhawks. That brings Red Hawk. Red Hawk. I said Railhawks. No, North Carolina FC. Oops. You know this is what happens when I pick up when I Google the NASL scoreboard. 
it still shows on Google uh, Carolina Railhawks. And Stop it's really, using really Bing sad that thing. I just did that because I got, I got huge help <laughs> from uh, one of the staff members of North Carolina FC for a small project I'm working on. So shout out to Matt from North Carolina FC. I appreciate the help. Sorry for calling you guys the North Carolina Railhawks. That being said, the table in the spring season, like Lee just mentioned, Miami leading the way with 30 points. The only teams that are still alive, mathematically speaking, for the uh, spring season championship are the San Francisco Deltas who trail in second place with 23 points and the Jacksonville Armada who have still yet to play they their week 13 match because of rain um, scheduled to kick off Monday night at 9 p.m. if unless there are more delays against Puerto Rico FC that being said Lee additionally to that point it's not only just about you know not losing to the Deltas if Miami FC can win against North Carolina or if the San Francisco Deltas drop any points, or if the Jacksonville Armada drop any points here along the way, Miami FC will clinch uh, the spring season championship and book the first spot into the NASL playoffs. The first step towards the soccer ball. We get a good old soccer ball. <laughs> the soccer yeah, ball. <laughs> the soccer ball run starts on the 4th of July. <laughs> I boom, love it. Boom, boom. I love NASL it. Oh my God. Soccer. <laughs> promos by <laughs> self. <laughs> <laughs> you get the uh, the guy from uh, this is a bunch of eagles call flying across. Ah! If you the miss this game, you better be the, dead. The Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. <laughs> Grave digger. All right. <laughs> Miami FC digging the graves of all their NASL opponents. Oh yeah. Okay, we just slipped into Macho Man yeah, yeah. <laughs> territory, which I'm I'm all about that life. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not putting it down. I love it. But I was a bit of a left turn. Um, so let's let's transition away from the league, shall we? Now that we've kind of, I think we've kind of covered the bases there, and let's talk about the 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 elephant in the room that we've kind of talked about a bit. Wednesday, June twenty eighth, twenty seventeen, Major League Soccer returns to Miami Dade County for the first time since two thousand and one. Atlanta United of Major League Soccer will be traveling south to play at Ricardo Silva Stadium on the campus of Florida International University to face off against the Miami FC. It is the, you know, we said last time uh, when we played Orlando, that was the biggest match in franchise history. And, and now, you know, you could still argue in terms of like Florida dominance, maybe even this match it doesn't live up to that level. Um, but it's pretty damn close, especially if Miami FC get the win and we move on to the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. Then we start having that conversation all over again about most important games. But it's an exciting time. Let's dive into this. It's Miami FC, Atlanta United. I'm going to start with Drew. Drew, what are you looking for in this game? I'm looking for a victory, man. To be honest, I don't know shit about Atlanta United. Uh, I know they got a Paraguayan. I know they got an Argentinian that are pretty dope. I know they got an Argentinian coach, their first-year MLS team, so I think they got something to prove. They almost got smoked by uh, the battery. That could have easily been a draw or gone to PKs, but uh, battery missed a PK in Jacksonville or psh, Jacksonville, Atlanta. Atlanta ended up winning. Um, I, you know, I feel we have a chance in this one, but honestly, I don't know shit about their team, man. I don't care about their team. Strong words. <laughs> Strong. Said, I think I can beat that because it. I can go one better than Drew. I don't even give a shit about the MLS. It's crap. Um, it's corporate prawn <laughs> sandwich. I need to be seen at a soccer game. 
cosplay fake football. So I would love to like take that hatred of the MLS and harness it and uh, put three or four goals past them. Go one better than Orlando. I mean, you look at their team when they've stacked the attack. They don't care about defence. And um, but you know you can drill anyone to be a good defender as long as they can play the game. So I think they're gonna they're in for a shock. They're in for a shock. All right. So I guess Matt and me will get to the nuts and bolts of this uh, Atlanta United team. So <laughs> I Atlanta think me and United, me hit it up pretty well. <laughs> you, you guys, you, you did pretty good. Yeah, I think they covered all the bases. To be completely yeah, honest, them, let's move that's on. Let's, let's, let's not. That's, that's all we need to know. <laughs> The end. All right. For those of you who are MLS fans or, or do follow uh, the MLS pretty closely, um, <laughs> three notable <laughs> uh, designated players, and guess what? They happen to be all on attack uh, for Atlanta United. Um, obviously, the Paraguayan, Miguel Miron, he is their center attacking midfielder, dangerous creator, uh, definitely can get the ball into the spaces necessary, and he's not afraid to take shots on goal. Yamil Assad, the Lebanese-Argentinian, yes, I had to drop the Lebanese name in there, um, he was his first year in the MLS as well, uh, came in as a designated player, he is a goal-scoring machine for Atlanta United, uh, currently notching, how many, it's, uh, just kidding, he's not a goal-scoring machine, he has two goals in 15 matches, however, their real goal-scoring <laughs> machine is the Venezuelan striker, Joseph Martinez, who's only played seven matches in the MLS uh, and seven goals in those seven matches. He is coming off an Achilles injury that he sustained during a Venezuelan uh, World Cup qualifying match. So as to whether he will play or not, he did run a full, almost a full gambit in their last match against the Colorado Rapids. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was the goal scorer uh, from a Brandon Vasquez assist to uh, see off Colorado 1-0 in their last match. Drew alluded to it, though. We all talked about it on these previous podcasts. Lee said it to us in the parking lots of the Miami FC games. You don't want to play the battery. If you had the choice of playing the battery or Atlanta United, <laughs> you took Atlanta United nine days out of ten. So that being said, here it is. We got what we asked for, and we got an offensive potent juggernaut. The biggest key to this team is the fact that their defense is suspect. It's suspect by all natures. The biggest name on defense is more than likely going to be uh, United States fullback Greg Garza. Um, on the back, they also have former Seattle Sounders player Tyrone Mears, who used to bounce around a lot from the uh, the Seattle Sounders reserve squad and the USL squad. In the middle, in the middle, they have Jeff Larentwicks, and I believe they also have uh, Perez, an Argentinian defender, uh, who also plays up the middle for them. Realistically speaking, their goalkeeper, I, I think, might be Brad Gazan. I'm not sure if Brad Gazan's going to suit up. If he doesn't, their standard goalkeeper so far, uh, if I'm not mistaken, has been Alec Khan. Uh, number 25, who's been in the pipes for uh, Atlanta United. This is a team that, listen, they want to beat you. They want to run up the score on you. Um, and they're hoping that their pace of play and their pressure uh, can get you out of your element and out of your rhythm. If you're a strong defensive team, like the Chicago Fire are, if you're a strong defensive team, like <clears throat> some of the other teams in the MLS, you do have a really good chance of beating them. For example, in their last five games, they have picked up three wins. Notably, the battery, they beat Columbus Crew, who's not doing so well this season in the MLS, and Colorado Rapids, a team that held them to one goal but doesn't have any offensive firepower. DC United, a team that plays decently at home but it does not have a good MLS record, they are 2-1. Uh, they did beat them, sorry, 2-1. to one. Uh, Chicago Fire beat them 2-0, and the Vancouver Whitecaps beat them at home on the cross-continental travel uh, 3-1. to one. So, be that as it may, you know, this is a team that... 
can be dangerous, but again, it's what's going to happen. Are they going to play their MLS side, or are they going to play the reserve side? And if they play the reserves, they're in for a rude awakening, just like Orlando. Yeah, what 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 kind of has grabbed me about Atlanta United, um, really since kind of they were announced, I think they were announced back in, in like 2014 or, or 2013, um, basically along with the uh, announcement of the new uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium that's replacing um, their, the, um, the, the Georgia Dome. Um, it, there's a lot of history between... South Florida soccer in Atlanta going back to the Silverbacks of the NASL in Atlanta. Uh, and to see this team kind of kind of pop out of nowhere and, and really get a, a very strong support from the local community, very strong fan support, it, it's kind of, it's, it kind of snaps you to attention. Um, the thing that grabs me and, and I, what interests me about Atlanta is that it's owned by Arthur Blank. And going completely off soccer topic for a second, Arthur Blank is the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons are known for being pretty good, but for lack of a better word, fucking things up. They get, hey! they get to a pre... They get to, to... I mean, if if you do yourself a favor and search Bomani Jones Atlanta Falcons uh, in your Google machine and look for the video there, he basically details all the screw-ups from the Atlanta Falcons history in the last 25 years. And they're pretty epic. This was before the Super Bowl this year. Um, but so I come not to bury the Falcons. I come to praise the Falcons and praise Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank tries, and and it seems like it, you know that shouldn't be a huge uh, a huge compliment to an owner. That should be the bare minimum. But if you know if you follow any team, having an owner that really tries is a big difference maker. And we know about this in Miami when you look at Ricardo Silva or um, you know Mickey Arison versus Jeffrey Loria. Um, it matters, and and Arthur Blank tries, and Arthur Blank went out and for his first managerial hire got Tata Martino, um, basically coming off uh, the job of coaching the um, the Argentinian uh, national team. Um, he's going for it. He has gone for it, and and this team obviously it's their first season. They're they're not going to win the 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 MLS Cup, I'm sure of it. But they play an entertaining style, and so now we come back and look at this game. We look at the, this matchup. I think if you go out to that stadium on Wednesday, and if you're listening to this, you should be there on Wednesday. You're going to be treated to an entertaining game. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be wide open. And now when people say that, of course, it's going to be a nil-nil draw for 120 <laughs> minutes and then penalty kicks. But I, I do honestly believe it is going to be entertaining. And as we saw in Orlando, Miami FC can, if you want to play, you know, move the ball around, try to possess it and, and, and really kind of boss you around and, and put on a little flourish with some passing and some finishing, Miami FC can do that against any kind of competition you want to roll out kaka you know in the 65th minute fine we'll go toe to toe it's it's not this i again knock on wood cross your fingers say a prayer to the the deity of your choice you know that this doesn't come back to bite me but i think miami fc can hang with for atlanta anyone they put on the field all right so um before we swing it back to drew who has been lately a partner in crime with me uh, in some things that we should not discuss, uh, just they may be uh, slightly dodgy. Miami FC uh, this, <laughs> and Atlanta, this game is rated to pick them by the sportsbooks. Uh, Miami FC is 
not necessarily the favorite. Uh, they are even with the draw line at plus 210, meaning that if you bet a dollar, you will win $3.10 back. If you bet $100, you will win an extra $210 to put in your pocket. Uh, the over-under at this game is set at three goals exactly. Most of the other U.S. Open Cup games throughout the year have been rated at two. There is nothing higher than three. This is a game that could be a goal-scoring game here, uh, given the fact of how Atlanta United can press and uh, you know attack and counterattack very quickly. Drew, games rated as a pick'em. I, I know who you want to win uh, in terms of your heart, but if you had to lay some money down, what are you looking at? Oh, so you take the Orlando money you won. And you roll it over to Miami again on this one. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lee, knowing that this game is at a pick it seems the bookies don't necessarily know what to do with this game and how to really rate it. Uh, they see both teams as even Miami, top of the NASL table. Atlanta currently sitting sixth in the Eastern Conference of the MLS, only one point ahead of the New York Red Bulls. They do have a match to play on Saturday. So they do have a quick turnaround time to play their next game um, and they have to travel to Columbus in Ohio and take on a team that is notably pretty decent at home. What do you think about this matchup? What do you think about you know the, the way that Las Vegas is looking at um, this game? I think that it kind of shows how difficult it is to compare teams from the MLS and the NASL. Because yes, one has that Division one sanctioning and we have the Division two sanctioning. But without promotion and relegation, that essentially means very little. Because um, someone motorbike is going past. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, think, I think the fact that no one really knows how this game is going to turn out. And if the bookmakers think that as well, then that kind of works in our favour. Because I think people will look, oh, you know, again... NASL is a Division 2, and I'm doing the inverted quoted commas in the air. You can't see it on a podcast. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> you only have to look at our form to see how good we are. And I don't think it really matters what team in North America comes to play us. They're going to get a good game. Um, I, I think that Las Vegas have then got their view right, because this is, this is essentially a cup game between two teams who play good football, and on the day, anything can happen, but we know that Miami will win. All right, Matty boy. Again, Miami at a pick em plus 125, meaning you'll make a little more than even money should you take Miami on a pick em and they were to win the game outright. Uh, it, it is a push if it draws after 90 minutes. What, what are you thinking? I think 3-2 Miami. Whoa, hey now. I I think I think we are going to get the offensive game we're looking for. I think Atlanta is going to try to cobble together uh, again like a B plus team to to use the analogy I use for Orlando, where they're going to be there's going to be some some talent in the side, but at the same time they're going to try to keep their proverbial powder dry for the rest of the MLS competitions. I think that's going to lead to some openings for Miami FC that Miami FC will almost assuredly go with their their A-plus squad basically is as strong as they can possibly be. I think Atlanta is going to get theirs too because that's what they do is attack, attack, attack. But I have a good feeling. I, 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 I really do. I think that this team knows the the opportunity that's in front of it now. I think they, they see it. And I feel, and, and again, by me saying this, I've probably cursed us, but I think it's a 3-2 win. But, you know, we all sat here and we said, uh, I notably said, if 
Miami puts out, I'm sorry, if Orlando were to put out a USL-style roster, I would have bet a mortgage payment on Miami. I would have definitely backed Miami 100%. They didn't necessarily put out that USL roster. They did put out, you know, kind of a formidable B-plus team. Let's not let's not sit here and joke and not say that there wasn't talent on the field, especially when you have to play Kaká in a game that you're losing. You know, guess what? You, you went for it. There's no denying the fact that you went for it. Um, but again, I think the battle here is going to be whoever scores first may very well win this game. I think it's really important for Miami to not get the first goal in Turtle. I think if Miami gets the first goal, they need to put in a second goal uh, you know, within a reasonable amount of time in order to not only pad the lead and give yourself that little bit of insurance, but at the same time, you know this team's going to turn around and, and try to quick strike and try to come back in the game very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of people in Miami that have been on this bus of MLS or bust or, or have had this notion that if it's not MLS, I don't want to watch it, or I, I'm just not interested in it. You know, please let me know when Beckham gets here. Um, I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. This is an MLS team. This is what you wanted. You wanted to see a team in Miami play against MLS competition. Should you not show up to this game, you're proving everybody around the country that thinks Miami doesn't deserve a second MLS team after the Fusion, you know, faulted 16 years ago. So it's on you to show up to this game. It's on you to buy a ticket for $15, a $30 ticket to get you Date Brigade specials, and $99 if you want tickets for the rest of the season as well, to show up and, and support this club. Um, Miami is a city that, as the team does well, people show up for it. People want to watch it. People get intrigued by it. Well, there's no better team in Miami. There's no right now no better team in North America than a team that has gone unbeaten in their last 13 games. Yes, American sports has a stigma of, oh, well, it's a tie. They didn't really win, though. Yeah, but you went 13 games without losing. You went 13 games without tasting or, or the scent or the head-hanging jaw of defeat upon this team. That's 13 games. They're playing for that, all right? Listen, they're halfway to the Miami Heat 27-game streak of not losing a game. So there's no reason why, you know, Ricardo Silva Stadium should have anything less than 10 to 15,000 people in the stadium. And if there is 10 to, th- to 15,000 people, I'm sorry, if there is less than 10 to 15,000 people in that stadium, you're proving the stigma. You're proving that people don't care. You're proving that it is an event city. You're proving the fact that, you know, maybe Miami doesn't deserve an MLS team. And if that's what you want, fantastic. But there is no reason why you should not be at this game. These guys deserve it. The front office deserves it. The everybody involved with Miami FC deserves to see a packed house. There should not be any space in that stadium, with the exception of maybe the south uh, south sideline that doesn't really get sold very much. So that's about it. I mean, like if you do want to show up, I just I don't have any pity for you anymore. I don't want to see you at the playoff games. I don't want to see you in the fall season because you've proven that you don't care. This is the biggest game in Miami FC history. Period. No excuse. None. Yeah, I agree with you there, Omar. I think this is a this is right. this is a chance for anyone who claims they're a soccer fan in Miami to to, to, to to put out a massive statement of intent. I mean if you and some people want that Miami heat on grass that um that David Beckham is gonna give this city. It's not for me, but it is for other people. But then don't say that, you know, you wanna support soccer in Miami if you're not gonna come out to that game on Wednesday. It, at the very least it's gonna be a great game of soccer. Yeah, and, and it's a really important one last thing, that if you need coverage for Miami FC, who have you gone to? Because none of the local radio stations have covered this team very well, with the exception of one radio host. Um, 
nobody has really gone on the print and and followed the team closely, with the exception of maybe the Miami Herald. So and and that's one or two writers max. So you've come to us, and we're telling you right now that this is put up or shut up time. This is where it gets serious. If this team gets past Atlanta United, you possibly have the Chicago Fire and Bastian Schweinsteiger at home at FIU Stadium. I don't even need to market that game because that name is big enough, along with Juninho, along with a couple of the other guys like Dax McCarty that are on that Chicago Fire team to sell itself. I wouldn't even need to put out one ad to think that that game should be sold out if this city cared about my if this city cared about soccer. So show that you care about soccer. Show up to the Atlanta game, will these guys on the victory, and then get your prize in a win or lose match. It's win win for Miami UC and for the city of soccer. Should you get to host Chicago Fire and the Schweinsteigers and the Juninos and all the other names associated with that club. It is an interesting time, and I feel like we're all going into, um, yeah, we're kind of going, I, I think of uh, Apollo 13, where uh, where they're going around the dark side of the moon, and they have no radio contact, and you have no idea what's going to happen, and it could go wonderful, it could go terribly, but you know that the clock is running, and you're going to find out in just about two days' time, and I feel like that's where we are right now. We're going to find out in two days' time how big this really is for this club it, you know it 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 it's going to be huge one way or the other but it could be a really special night if uh if the right things happen and the right people get out there the people who who want this who want mls who want big time soccer who want winning who want all those things that the time is now it's it like like omar said it's put up or shut up and uh, it's it's right in front of your face, and you just got to reach out and grab it. Drew, any hot takes? <laughs> I got nothing for I, you. Any hot potatoes, Drew? <laughs> no, uh, any hot potatoes? I think no, no hot potatoes either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, there's there's been a ton of hype around this game. Uh, a lot of people are asking about it, a lot of people that haven't been interested before. So, you know, it's it's good for the for the club and the city because a lot of people who maybe just you know, didn't take us seriously in the past or didn't really understand kind of what this team or maybe what this league or, you know, what Division 2 was uh, in the terms of U.S. soccer are now kind of have their eyes open and are paying attention. I've had a ridiculous amount of people, like, ask me about the team or, like, kind of what's a tournament, you know, how do I get to Wednesday's game? So um, I'm hoping that, that we do above... You know, this year we're kind of averaging uh, five thousand, six thousand attendance. So I'm, I'm really hoping for a Wednesday night. If we could pull out uh, more than our, our weekend average attendance, it'll be, a, it'll be a great deal. Because then, uh, hopefully, those people see what they like, and when we win, they'll come back uh, when we play the Deltas. And, and the notable thing here is seeing the people that are interested in this match, because all of a sudden now you're getting the interest from major supporter groups in Miami for European clubs. We've already had Drew's Arsenal, uh, you know, Miami supporters group say, stating and intending that they will show up at this game. You have other clubs around Miami saying that they're going to be there, Real Madrid, etc. So, all of a sudden, if you see people and that had the mindset of before, and this was one of the mindsets that really pl- uh, plagued the first year Miami FC marketing, in my opinion, it was Oh, you like Real Madrid, so you like soccer. Therefore, since we're in Miami and you're in Miami, you'll like us. And that isn't a linear equation. That doesn't work. However, now with this game against Atlanta United, you're seeing that linear equation kind of kind of 
come together just a bit because you're seeing teams and you're seeing people that only follow Real Madrid or only follow Barcelona or Arsenal or Liverpool, etc. Saying, wait a second, this Miami FC team that I have in my backyard, they're pretty damn good. And I get to see now how they compete against Atlanta United. Imagine you beat Atlanta. What are the headlines going to say? What is going to be the first thing that you talk about or that you should talk about on local sports radio? It should be that win. Because in two weeks' time, you're more than likely going to be hosting the Chicago Fire. Which all of a sudden now, that should be an event in and of itself. So, you know, if people don't show up, it's a shame. Uh, I think it's kind of a slap in the face to an organization that doesn't deserve one. That they've bent over backwards to put in a really good team together. Has spent the money, proven that they are invested in the community. And, you know, again, if you don't show up to this match because you don't care about Division Two soccer, then don't call yourself a soccer fan. Just call yourself... You're one team fan, and that's what you are. You don't like the sport. You don't care for the sport. You care for that one club, and it is what it is. Shots fired! Shots fired! He's right there. Bang, bang, bang! I've got to agree completely (laughs) with Omar. No one's asking anyone to give up, you know, the team they've supported their whole life or the team that got them into the sport. You know, I I know that that, that Matt's a Liverpool fan. I know that Drew supports Arsenal for some reason. And I know that Omar has his five teams. So it's like no one's asking, no one's asking you to get that up, and I'm a Swansea boy, and I'm always going to support Swansea. But you know, I live in Miami, and I love the sport. Why wouldn't I go and watch this team? And in that in that brigade end, what there's 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 twenty or thirty who are hardcore. We usually get another twenty thirty on top of that who are either curious or you know we don't hang out with them, but they come and check it out. And that experience in that little nuclear reaction in that brigade end, like on on, on the east side of the stadium. That's if you're a soccer fan, you, you want that, and you get a taste of that, you'll keep coming back. So I hope that people do come down. We get an, an extra 100 people in that end, and then 50 of them come back, and then when they keep coming back, they bring friends. Yeah, I really feel you know I I, I feel like I've had this conversation with like 25 people over the the you know the last um, you know six years in in, in this city. It's especially in and I'll go one step further from what Lee said um you know I've had people who said before and we pick on Omar about oh, his oh, Orlando affiliation whatever it is but I'm not I'm I'm really not going there at this point because I'm I'm actually going to defend Omar um in the United States we have a closed system and please pro rel people do not I'm not talking <laughs> just go Turn you can turn off because I'm not going to say in well, favor or against it. Whatever. Now's not the time. But <laughs> it's you're not who I'm talking about, Lee. How do you I know, hang you know who I am. T- yeah. Um, <laughs> um. But no, it's a closed system, and so all right. You're let's say you're you know a Seattle fan. Fine, great. You live here, and we're not going to play them unless we get to the final. And if we do get to the final, you have a choice to make. But until then, there's nothing preventing you from supporting both these teams. There's literally nothing. There, it, it doesn't exist. It's too different. It's like saying I hate a particular double-A baseball team uh, because I root for the Orioles. Like, they're not going to play each other. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you talking about? And so there is this mindset of like, oh, it's, it's, it's not for me because I have my own clubs. Well, fine. Throw one more on the fire. You know what I mean? Get one more in there. There's literally no harm. No, nothing is going to happen bad to your first love. You know, Miami FC, you know, again, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers got mocked incessantly <laughs> because of their foot um, 
marketing strategy, Florida's other team um, or other, <laughs> oh, other team I or whatever. Yeah, and, and <laughs> that's not the way you should lead your marketing. However, there's nothing wrong with adopting a team that is also a team you support. And and Miami FC is a new team. It's it's a year and a half old. You know, we, we weren't born, died, diehard Miami FC fans. It's something you you kind of adjust to and, and get get you know you get more more into you know drew old school nasl or i've been following local soccer down here waiting for something like this for years but there are plenty of people who are in that day brigade end who have adopted this lifestyle in the last year you know what i mean so it's not there's no barriers to entry and if you think there are barriers to entry you're wrong and you've just got to talk to someone like us and we'll straighten you out and get you a beer or something and just to piggyback, like, there is nothing wrong, you know, with the stigma, at least in my opinion, of, oh, I support, you know, X amount of clubs. As long as really they don't have the capacity of playing each other. Yes, the Miami-Orlando thing is one of those freak scenarios where, okay, like, Miami and Orlando have to play each other. And I'm looking at my desk right now, and I have the Miami calendar, and on the other side of the desk, there is an Orlando City magnet. Like, it is what it is. I'll be honest, and I'll say it. Like, yes, you know. I, I do like Orlando City, and I follow them in MLS, and it's it's a Florida thing. They're the first team to come back in MLS, you know, in, in roughly 15 years. So now I am hooked, geographically speaking, to that club. I used to really be a Seattle Sounders fan because I figured, hey, like, you know, when I can catch a Sounders game, which was maybe once a month, you know, at least I can watch MLS, and, and I picked literally the opposite corner of the country for a team to support. Um so nobody could give me crap geographically, oh, this and that, or, oh, you're a Beckham fan, or, or oh, you know, you're watching Sporting Kansas City because of their jerseys, or, oh, it's the Red Bulls because of the drink. Like, okay, like, I'll pick the sh- team with the Xbox logo on the shirt. Like, I don't give a damn, you know? Um, but, you know, listen, I, I, I support United. I follow now the Irish League very closely for, for you know, monetary purposes. Um, you know, I, I follow Bundesliga and, and, and I follow, you know, the French League. And, and, and yes, there's times where I will dabble, you know, in Chinese and Japanese games. And it's not necessarily because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and saying, oh, my God, like, you know. It's because he has a gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly that. It's only a problem when you're losing. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I like the sport. I like watching the sport. I got hooked on the sport in 2006 after the World Cup run. I had a lot of friends in high school that played soccer on the high school team and i was never you know physically in shape enough to to play the sport and my dad you know at seven eight years old wished that i would have played soccer and that i would have picked it up and i had the stigma that very many american boys had at that time and it was soccer is a girl's sport so i'm not gonna play it and i wish i knew now what i knew that or i said i wish i knew then what i knew now because you know, I would have definitely picked it up and, and definitely played it more in my youth and, and, and aspired to follow it more in my youth. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. If you are, a, you know, a fan of the sport or you profess to be a fan of the sport, adding a second division NASL club, you know, there, there's no shame to it. And, and it's really welcomed. I mean, and also look at it this way. For people who are like, oh, you're a glory chaser. You're a Miami FC fan. Like, how am I a glory chaser, man? Like, the spring season, I got seven points last year in that shit. Like, you know, we weren't very good. So, like, don't come here. And we do... lost to the Hammerheads. Yeah, we lost to the Hammerheads in the first round of the Open We lost to a shark named Moose. Yes. So, like, <laughs> come on. Like, we're not glory hunters. We're doing really well. If you listen to this podcast at all, you'll know that, like, we sit here and we're just like, when is this going to end? This is too nice. This is too good. Like, we, we have the shiny genie lamp in front of us and we're like, we don't want to rub it to make another wish because it's just not, we don't want to exhaust 
the amount of wishes that we can have with this team or with this club. So, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. Like, yes, I understand having allegiances, and, and I totally understand. But, you know, hey, you're a really big Real Madrid fan, or you're a very big Barcelona fan, or even a Chelsea fan for some people. But, you know, just because you're a Chelsea fan or just because you support any one club in Europe doesn't mean that you're not able to support a club. And I think actually, you don't even you don't even necessarily have to support the team. If there's live soccer happening in your backyard, why wouldn't you drop 15 bucks and go and check it out? I mean, it's just a lot more fun than watching it on TV. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and, that helps. And they're winning, especially in Miami. And like doing well, you know what I mean? I can understand if. It was, it was sometimes rough getting out of the stadium last spring season, you know, towards the end of that season where they're just getting their, their, their behinds kicked. Um, but they're winning now, and they're pretty damn good, and, and they're getting marked up against quote-unquote better competition and winning. And so, again, like I said, there's there's no reason not to. Um, so, um, <laughs> I, 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 t- I tell you, my, my, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm a Swansea City fan and a Welshman. I'm not used to going 13 games unbeaten. This is uncharted territory for me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think all of us, we all have had a kind of a, a weird, um, I guess, a Stockholm syndrome or whatever. Um, we're used to our teams kind of, uh, kind of abducting us and just holding us and kind of messing with our minds and 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 getting close to glory and and failing and and uh, yeah, this team seems like it's it's not going to do that. Knock on wood. That it's it's actually over delivering. Um, which is. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So to recap, Wednesday, seven thirty, Ricardo Silva Stadium, the Ricky. the Ricky. That's what we're all calling. Bet, it. Mm, bet the over. Uh, <laughs> bet the over. Um, we're gonna be out there. I'm. I'm gonna try to get out there at like three o'clock on Wednesday because uh, again, living that teacher life um, allows me a little bit more flexibility. Um, but it, it, get out there, meet up with us. Uh, the um, west east side of the stadium um, the east side of the stadium um, yeah it's going to be a good time that's it that's all I got I'm, I've talked too much I'm done um, be there it's going to be fun yep US Open Cup play starts tomorrow the first match is going to be FC Dallas versus uh, the Colorado Rapids if you're interested in watching that match you're more than likely going to be able to be able to follow it online to the US Soccer website uh, Wednesday will be the big day where the rest of the seven matches will take place. All of these matches will start roughly at 6.30 going through the end of the night uh, there. Uh, so again, you know, if you need tickets, please make sure that you visit the Day Brigade Facebook page as there is a special link there for you to get a little bit of reduced price tickets um, and sit in the Day Brigade section. There's also a special to join Day Brigade and get all the merchandise and there's a season tickets special as well. Boys, lads, mates. I did really quickly. If if that's not enough soccer for you, actually, I um, think Miami United are at home on Friday night. So so you you could you could smash in like a, an extra game. So you could do um, you know I like to give those guys a shout out. They're doing good work over there. So you could easily do the U.S. Open Cup Wednesday. Little bit of uh, MPSL on the Friday night, and then uh, on the Fourth of July, we will be taking down the North Carolina SC. Yeah, actually, I, I I think I'm gonna try to make it out to that uh to that um, Miami United game on Friday. Field trip. Um, I think we also want to give a shout out to FC Surge. Four two and one uh, season. Yes, they're they're currently racking up some points. The ladies of FC Surge, the, the women, 
uh, of FC Surge. They have uh, their next game is scheduled for, for July first, Saturday at five p.m. at Amelia Earhart Park versus the Treasure Coast Dynamites. There you go. Omar is always oh, if we're, on top uh, of it. Sorry, sorry, Matt. Um, if, if so yeah, we, around the teams. This is, this is all of Magic City. Uh, FC Miami City are also um, sure. They're doing pretty well. They're doing pretty well yes. at the moment. I believe they are. I don't have the internet in front of me. I think they're top of uh, their, their division in the PDL and uh, kind of kicking ass and taking names. That's a that's a fun get. That's a fun night out. That's free down Tropical Park. A lovely place yep. to watch the beautiful game. Yep, they're second. Yes, absolutely. They're second in the PDL, uh, one point behind the Sima Aguilas, good team. sporting yeah. an eight zero and one record, eight wins, uh, which is pretty impressive. Oof. Their next match, I, uh, their next home match is not for quite some time. Um, actually, next home match doesn't seem to appear. Actually, I don't see another home match until they play the Tampa Bay Rowdies under uh, 23 team on July 15th. But very possibly, I am reading the schedule wrong. <laughs> have the Americanized version, uh, which is also very possible. I would just like to say that I pulled up the Miami or FC Miami City stats, and their goal differential is plus 26. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get huh? look now because I know you're, we 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 know Yuri. Yuri's doing a good job down there, and he he gets it. Um, their goal differential is is 26. They've scored 90. They've scored 19 <laughs> goals at home for only three in reply, which is um, pretty in- pretty incredible. They're, they're, they don't seem to do that. no away from home. They've scored 11, letting three. They're uh, when they get going, they're a force to be reckoned with going forward for sure. I love that team. They're, they're, they're a lot of young players. When, yeah, when, I like it. When when Omar and I are not there, they score tons of goals. <laughs> oh, yes. We're there, it's a nil-nil, uh, sh- muddy, shutdown game. Uh, as soon as we leave, uh, we're not bitter about that at all, FC Miami City. Um, but, yeah, so get out and support it. local soccer. It's basically what we've been talking about the last 20 minutes is just support the sport in all its forms – but if you got to pick one, go to the Atlanta United game this week. You know, with all due love and respect to all of our other if, teams, if you need another incentive, I will be giving out cup. free hugs in the day brigade. And you, you, you Ooh. may see someone from this podcast Ooh. with their shirt off. I'm not mentioning any names. It's not going to be me. That's not happening again. If you weren't there on Tap Saturday, you off. missed it. I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I'm locking my shirt on to my pants from now on. I'm just gonna like two, like uh, combination locks. It's not gonna happen again. Um, let's lock it so, up, boys. Let's get it, let's get out of here. Yes, let's hit the road. All right. So um, we, I did want to mention before we leave, guys. Uh, I love it. We're just like we gotta go. All right. Here's one more thing. Um, do stick around uh, because we have some audio. Uh, our our main man Omar Mubayed. In the post game, uh, talking to Enzo Ranella and Mason Traffo. so we're just going to roll that one. Ah, there's on, yes, we, there's honestly been there's so much to talk about that we, we just kind of it's great it's great sound you're going to want to hear it but it's just too much to talk about we're, we're busy 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 stick uh, so stick around for that. Um, That's for the French listeners out there. I mean, it's going to be great. It, yes, our yeah. French our wonderful French listeners. Hey, there might be some French listeners. Uh, FC Miami City. Um, there, there might be a couple people, maybe, who knows? Um, all right. Anything else? Oh, can I call, call this podcast adjourned? Adjourned it is. A second. Wonderful. Uh, so until next time, go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. Avec fromage. Beat Atlanta. Avec fromage. Avec le fromage.
So what is it like to play a man down for 31 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more a bit more challenging than normal. Didn't have much uh, possession like uh, Miami's used to, that's for sure. But, you know, our team's uh, in, a, in a good groove right now. And, you know, we, we bunkered down and kept, kept New York out of the area. And a few times it did enter, we, we were able to clear the ball. And, you know, it was a tough game, but we grounded out and got the result, which is what what's important at this stage of the season. Mason, your dialogue within the defense, within the back two lines of four, obviously one thing is the dialogue when you're attacking, when you're moving the ball around, knocking it around. How does that change? How does the communication within the defense, within the whole structure defensively, change as soon as Poku is sent off and as soon as you have to be more defensive and looking and trying to strike and find your spots as far as the counterattack? Yeah, it, it changes the most in the most way because we're a bit less dangerous on attack you know before that happened we always were able to sort of get in behind them uh with a couple of good passes because they were pressing us so high and as soon as we have the man down it's a bit more security for them at the back and they can push a bit more numbers forward and sort of pin us back um in terms of the communication you know it's not something we're particularly used to but we have a lot of experience on the team and the back four works together you know, every day in training, and there's a really good communication amongst us four, and then with Richie Ryan and the midfielders in front of us, it's, uh, you know, we just go about it, we're, we're, we're all professionals, and we're, we're used to, we've, we've been in that situation before, it's communicating, it's covering the, covering the holes, covering for each other, if somebody gets sucked out, and uh, making, making a play here or there when, when, it, when, when the time uh, comes. You talked about the, the back line of four and the good communication you have, uh, but now RBK is out, Smith was in, Talk about how tough the other day was when, when Baggio went down. Yeah, you know, Baggio is just such a loved guy on the team. Um, he's a young guy, and, you know, his potential is just limitless right now. He's had a huge season for us, for himself. He's become a massive part of this team. So, you know, it's one of those things that, yes, it's, you know, it's professional sports. It can happen, but it's just the saddest thing ever. And, you know, we all, we're all thinking about him and... Uh, you know, he's done so much to help get us to where we are right now, and, and you know, that one for tonight was for him, for sure. So the elephant in the room is probably the next game on Wednesday, mm -hmm. and Atlanta being the offensive juggernaut that they seem to be in the MLS. What have you guys already seen on tape, if, any, if at all, anything, and how do you prepare to stop that kind of, a, you know, offensive display, which is one that isn't like what you saw in Orlando with only Haji Berry up front? To be honest, we we're focused, we, we've just been focusing one game at a time. Um, we haven't thought too much about Atlanta. You know, when you start to do that, it, it gets, you know, the game in front of you, which would have been tonight, starts to get blurred a little bit, and it's not, not the best approach. And, you know, I think uh, Nesta and the coaching staff have been smart about that. Tonight was 100% focused on New York. We'll focus on Atlanta um, starting tomorrow. Uh, I mean, from what we do know, obviously, they're, they're an MLS team that's... Uh, it's going to be fun for us, though. I think our team actually is quite well suited to play MLS teams. Um, it's often, in a funny sense of the word, easier to play against an MLS team. As you saw us play against Orlando, you know, it's more about, you know, they have a lot of quality. It's not so, it's not maybe so, like, chaotic at times. So it's going to be one of those games where if you make a mistake or if you, you do something that you're not meant to do, they have guys that will punish you instantly. Um, so it's going to be a game that we have to be focused mentally 100% from, from the start. And then uh, you know make big plays because that's what that's what it's about when you play against top quality players. And then when we have the chances to bury them. Makes sense. Obviously, I have to ask you. You tomorrow are, are going to be watching the game 
Yeah. No, yeah, I think tomorrow's actually, isn't tomorrow Jacksonville, I think. Tonight is Delta, so I think that game's going on right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be fantastic if we get a couple of results and we can go into Wednesday as champions. Um, tonight was a big win and a big step in the right direction, but, you know, we'll take it again one, one game at a time. Uh, but, yeah, for sure it would be lovely if, if, if some teams gave us a, a helping hand here. Last question. Uh, your law partner, Brett Bernstein. Yeah. The, the law firm of Trafford and Bernstein. <laughs> you like how you're first in that? Yeah. He came up big at the end of the game tonight. Got in the way, cleared balls, got his head on balls. Um, there was a flurry of activity late where he had two big plays to clear out, and eventually you guys took it the other way. How big was he tonight? Yeah, for me, for me, Red's the best, the best center back in the league. He's, uh, he's unbelievable. He's... Uh, Unbelievable in the air and composed on the ball, wins everything. It's it's a pleasure to play with him. I th- again, I think I told you guys this last year. Uh, I think our games complement each other well, and uh, you know, so far this season, it's just been a pleasure. Every time I go out there, I know what he's going to do. I think he knows what I'm going to do, and uh, that, I mean, again, we have fantastic players all around us this year on Miami FC, where we, we're in a good groove, like I said. But yeah, it's uh, Red, Red's. He, he's a force. Eso es algo que ustedes eh, que ustedes miraron para este juego cuando estábamos preparando o es algo que se cogió por su por su precio que tú sabes muy eh, en el perdóname o sea, eh, at the beginning of the game it was just really intense it was really chippy is that something you were expecting and the team was waiting for or not really no la verdad que no no esperamos eso esperamos un equipo que quería jugar Nos sorprendieron mucho a uno contra uno todo el campo, siendo agresivo. No, no podemos mantener la posición como los otros partidos. Y es verdad que era muy arriesgado de parte de ellos también, de estar uno contra uno todo el campo. Pero se sentía en el campo muy fácil de ganar ese partido, pero a veces no llegaba la oportunidad de, de marcar goles. Y, y creo que hemos sufrido bastante ese partido. No hemos jugado el mejor fútbol que sabemos jugar, pero al final ganamos otra vez y ese demuestra que somos un equipo fuerte. Vi un poco de frustración en ese partido, sabiendo no la manera que están jugando y como dijiste, es que ustedes pudieron jugar mejor. Vi un poco de frustración durante el partido. Creo que sí, que como nos sorprendieron, sorprendieron mucho veniendo arriba a apretar. Eh, al principio estábamos un poco frustrado de no encontrar nuestro nuestro juego y bueno creo que menos mal que hemos marcado rápido el, para empatar y rápido en el segundo tiempo porque si no hubiese sido un partido muy difícil de ganar. Entonces eres el goleador de la liga en este momento. ¿Qué significa eso para vos en conjunto de que en, con, cómo estás jugando el equipo? Bueno yo siempre digo que Eh, un delantero depende mucho del equipo, de cómo juega, del juego, de la ocasión que crea el equipo. Y yo estoy arriba, arriba estoy intentando hacer lo mejor posible para meter goles o dar asistencia. Y, y hasta ahora estoy muy contento, muy feliz de, de lo que estoy haciendo, del juego del equipo, que me ayuda mucho. Y, y espero que, que siga así esa racha mucho tiempo. ¿Cómo imagina el juego del miércoles? Bueno, creo que 
es un rival muy difícil, que juega muy bien a la pelota, que, que corre mucho, que aprietan arriba, como el estilo del Barça. Y, y bueno, si tenemos la tranquilidad y la pausa de, de jugar nuestro fútbol, creo también que podemos hacerle mucho daño. Usted que ha viajado tanto, ha jugado en tantos sitios, ¿cómo ve el nivel del fútbol en los Estados Unidos? No, bueno, es un poco diferente el fútbol, eh, hay mucho más ritmo, eh, hay menos calidad de los jugadores, pero, pero bueno, hoy por ejemplo era un partido del Cosmos, es un buen equipo, que tiene buenos jugadores y, y la verdad es que no es tan fácil jugar aquí.